Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On July 24th, unbeaten heavyweight contender Joe Joyce fought journeyman gatekeeper Carlos Takam at London's Wembley Arena in a quest to get a shot at one of boxing's many sanctioning body belts. Joyce was awarded a sixth-round TKO stoppage, but many questions were raised by his lackluster performance, including if the referee stoppage was premature. Takam landed hard overhand rights in the early rounds, although by the fifth round, the momentum had shifted to Joyce. To discuss this, we once again spoke with our colleague Chris Baldwin on the War Room on Angry Afro Radio. She's posted the video of this discussion on the Angry Afro Radio YouTube page, and in this edition of No Holds Barred, we have the complete audio. We discussed what Joyce's performance signifies, what we perceive to be his strengths and weaknesses, where he stands compared to other heavyweights, what may be next for him, and much more, including what is happening in the heavyweight title picture. With the Olympics proceeding as Tokyo's coronavirus pandemic worsens, we also discussed the article on the No Holds Barred Patreon page entitled, I'm Sick and Tired of the Fucking Olympics. We discussed why the use of the word fucking was appropriate to describe this disgraceful and dangerous event, what alternatives can be developed to the increasingly unpopular and corrupt Olympic movement, and much more. Note that our discussion was recorded Monday, July 26, before the news came out Tuesday, July 27, that star gymnast Simone Biles had withdrawn from her Olympic gymnastics competition, citing her mental health struggles. But before we get to our discussion with Chris Baldwin on the War Room on Angry Afro Radio, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double-End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, 
distance and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman. No holds barred. Welcome to Angry Afro Radio, folks. We're on YouTube, and I am your host, Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. DJ Tribal. I'm in the war room today with the one and only Mr. Eddie Goldman from No Holds Barred News. And in this segment, we will discuss last night's fight, Joyce. No, what was that? Saturday night's fight, Joyce uh, uh, versus Takum fight. Uh, and Eddie's latest piece titled, I'm <laughs> sick and tired of fucking Olympics. That's a great title, Eddie. And uh, that was a very, uh, um, uh, you're very angry, let's say, in that piece. But let's get right, let's jump right into this Joyce fight that uh, went six rounds last night against Carlos Tuckum. What did you yeah, think about that fight? On, uh, it was on uh, Saturday night, and it didn't get a lot of attention outside of the UK because it was on uh, BT Sport in the UK, but for some reason, no big network in not even ESPN plus picked it up in the United States. It was on a, a, a pay-per-view on fight TV online. But of course, with these things, you wait a few hours and it shows up on YouTube in different languages. You could have watched it in English or Russian or whatever. I chose English and I encourage people to look at the fight because if you just look at the results and you see that Joyce got a six-round TKO, it's really only telling one sliver of the story. And I, I hope it's still up on YouTube. I linked it on uh, on my Twitter. I don't know. It if is. It's, it's still up. Right. Those fights usually stay up for a while because for the same reason, people want to see these fights who didn't get a chance to see it where it wasn't accessible for them and didn't get a chance to see it live. And by taking it down, it's not like they're going to make a lot of money and having people 
you know, buy these uh, extra little pay-per-views. The context of this is that Joe Joyce is a 35-year-old heavyweight, Olympic silver medalist for whatever that's worth in 2016. A lot of people felt he should have won the gold medal against Tony Yoka. He's six foot six, and he doesn't have a lot of time left because he entered the professional game relatively late. And his record now is 13-0 with 12 knockouts. He's a big guy with a big punch, a lot of power, but he's certainly not the greatest boxer in the world. And he How got, old is he? He's 35 years old. Oh, wow. So the clock is ticking on him. He got a lot of international notoriety in November of last year when he, he knocked out Daniel Dubois, who had been undefeated beforehand and was being touted as the big uh, next big thing in, uh, in 10 rounds. That was a close fight. The scorecards were all over the place. A lot of people had Dubois winning that fight till he got knocked out and he, and he took a knee and he was really hurt. So that, that was definitely, you know, a, a good stoppage. So now Frank Warren, his promoter, is trying to get a title fight for Joe Joyce, which, which makes sense. And particularly in the WBO, and this fight with Carlos Takam, who's a sort of journeyman fighter, was for a bunch of weird little belts, including one of the WBO uh, regional belts. And the significance of that is that Anthony Joshua, who everybody wants to fight because there's big money in that, is the WBO champion, along with IBF and WBA, is fighting September 25th against Alexander Usyk. And most people expect Joshua to win that fight. So who will then become the WBO mandatory for Joshua? And again, there's all this confusion. Is he ever going to fight Fury to unify the belts? Who knows? So he has to go and do his thing and take care of his career. And Joyce wants to be the number one contender after presumably Joshua beats this, this smaller Usyk, who's not looked good, by the way, at heavyweight. He did not look impressive against a journeyman Chaz Witherspoon. And Joshua has a lot of size on him. So Usyk is a, is, is an, was an excellent boxer at cruiserweight, but moving up to heavyweight where more money is, it looks like this is not going to be where he can really shine. So they're looking at Joyce, who is a much bigger guy, roughly the same height as Joshua, to get this mandatory shot sometime. But of course, after Joshua, assuming he wins fights Usyk, he still has the WBA and IBF mandatories. They sort of have a rotation there and possibly a fight with Fury, assuming Fury gets by Wilder when, if and when they fight in October, as they're supposed to. So it puts them in line potentially for a fight either with Joshua or whomever holds the WBO belt, but that could be like a year or two down the line. So Takama is a guy that a lot of people know his name. 
He has a record now of 39 and six with 28 knockouts originally from Cameroon. You know, they say he's uh, nationality is French, but I think he, he lives in the United States and he's beaten a lot of sort of ham and egg type fighters and a lot of the big fights that uh, he has had, he's fallen short. He's lost to, uh, over the years, Pavetkin, Joseph Parker. He lost to uh, Joshua in 2017. In fight, Joshua didn't look particularly good. And he was stopped in eight rounds by Derek Chisora back in in 2018. But he's, he's a pretty durable guy and he's an active guy and he was sort of a gatekeeper so other than Dubois who had been viewed as a, gr a great prospect but it was unproven what he did in the ring Takam has been a guy who's sort of been a I don't know if you call him a fringe contender but more or less a gatekeeper to get to the top contenders so this was a step up for Joe Joyce and when you watch this fight, the first two rounds, Takam is, is very awkward and unorthodox and doesn't always have the most uh, beautiful technique. But Takam, who's several inches shorter than Joyce, was landing very effectively in the first two rounds in overhand right and doing some damage with it. Joyce looked like he had his jab, but he wasn't moving particularly well, no, Joyce looked like a rock'em sock'em robot to me when the way he was, you know, just moving so stiff and like nothing. He was so flat footed. It's, it's like, what, dude, what are you doing? That's right. how he fights, though, I guess. I haven't seen many Joyce fights. Well, you could watch his fight with Dubois, which is an interesting fight. I'm, I, I imagine that's still on YouTube, Daily Motion or, or somewhere. Yeah. When that came out, right? I just so, I thought I ex I expected him to be a little more fluid, a little more elusive, but he was just a uh, straight. Let's just yeah. And the guy's thirty five years old, so he can only change so right. much. And to come, while to come had a lot of movement. It's not like he was Muhammad Ali out there. It's not like he was too difficult to to cut off it, the ring, right, right. to go to the body, to work the jab and all that. You're right. So the I didn't score the fight round by round but a lot of people gave the first two rounds to to calm which was surprising because this was set up for to be a showcase fight for joyce joyce seemed to come back more in the third to do better in the third fourth and fifth again i didn't score those rounds to comes uh promoter a star boxing put out a press release saying at the end of five rounds Takam was leading on the scorecards. I haven't found documentation of that one way or another, although it is possible that after five rounds Takam was leading on some cards, three rounds to two, but the momentum had shifted to Joyce. Then the big six round came. And Joyce, early in the round, landed a big left hook that rocked to calm, wobbled him, and, move, and moved him back. And then Joyce jumped on him. And Joyce is good at doing that. And again, while he is often uh, 
lumbering in the ring. He does have a lot of power. So he landed a lot of unanswered punches. Right. On to come. Right. I counted at least 30 unanswered punches before the ref jumped in. But he didn't drop them. Right. Tom didn't seem particularly hurt. Right. By this. A lot of these punches were were blocked and the referee jumped in, stopped the fight. And immediately afterwards to calm says, what, you know, what are you doing? Why did you stop the fight? He was completely alert. So it was a controversial stoppage. Uh, A lot of people I'm reading saying it was an early stoppage, but not the worst early stoppage that you've ever seen. It certainly didn't uh, hurt. Joyce's case that this fight was in the UK, in London, and you had a a British judge, a British referee, rather, stopping the fight to give Joyce this victory. What would have happened if it had gone on? I think Takam was starting to wear down. I think he might have been stopped eventually. He would have been knocked out. Right. Now, the significance of this, stopping it in the sixth round, is that Joyce said he wanted his aim is Joshua. He wanted to do better than Joshua did against the calm back in 2017, where Joshua got a TKO in 10 rounds. So this is all the the hype. But that's comparing really comparing apples and orange that was not the same fighter he was in 2017. Come on now. Right. And Joyce is not uh, the same fighter as <laughs> ever as, as Joshua. Right. Has been. So it was a lot of. It, again, it wasn't the worst decision. It wasn't the worst stoppage, but it raised a lot of questions. And most importantly, it didn't really establish Joe Joyce as a must see killer heavyweight yeah so he might be able to get that number one spot in the wbo but people aren't going to be you know tearing down the doors to uh, to see him fight somebody else so the question is since it's going to be a even if he does get this fight somewhere down the line with joshua or whoever holds the wbo title who does he fight in the meantime so they're trying to drum up interest of him fighting another journeyman fighter. Derek Chisora is, is one thing that's being talked about. But the problem with that is that Chisora wants to have a rematch with Joseph Parker. And if you saw the last fight, Parker won on a split decision. And a lot of people felt that uh, Chisora deserved to win that fight. So he wants to get a rematch, but we, we don't know what's going to happen. There hasn't been anything announced and decided at this point. So a lot of it's going to come down to money and politics and all, all the usual and who stuff. can make the deal. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's an, it's an underwhelming performance by, in any case, by, by Joe Joyce, if, if you watch the fight, and I don't know how much better he can get, but it's significant for the heavyweight division because a lot of people have Joyce as a sort of fringe contender. I think 
ring has him as the number 10 heavyweight. So he's in the picture. And since we know he does have a lot of power, anything can happen in heavyweight boxing. We saw it with the first. Well, he'll probably fight until he's 40. He'll just do a George Foreman type of some shit. Yeah, he's popular in the UK. Right. Not that well known outside of the UK, but there's an audience for that. And again, that one punch can make a difference. So that power in one round, as you saw in the fight with Dubois or the first fight with Dillian White and Alexander Povetkin, where Povetkin looked like he was going to get knocked out and he landed that uppercut. This is what heavyweight power can do. So that is always the possibility of an equalizer. So you 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 want you know if you're a real boxing fan you want to watch his his fights, but it's not something that uh, yeah. is the most comp- is compelling out there. Right. Well, look, let's switch gears and talk about this ex- uh, this uh, profanity laced <laughs> article you wrote on <laughs> No Holds Bar called "I'm Sick and Tired of the Fucking Olympics." And Eddie, I don't think I've ever heard you curse like this ever ever. When you not open, an, out, not when you open up the sentence right with motherfucker, I was like, oh, shit, he's serious. <laughs> yeah, well, I usually don't do it in an article because I'm certainly I've used words like that before. Right. But but there are often better words to describe a situation. But those well, are the fuck kind of- is my favorite word for uh, for first of all, I love that word fuck. So I, but I do understand people who have issues like my wife can't stand me saying that word. So I try to cut back on my profanity, but I love it. I it's love many, reading that stuff. Many people's favorite activity also, but that's another <laughs> right. another issue. Right. Go ahead. A, a lot of times there are better ways to say things, but sometimes you just want to express your deep disgust and emotion and sometimes you want to label things together and so when i'm calling them the fucking olympics it's because of the disgust i have about everything that's going on and and first of, of many things that i'm disgusted at is running this in a pandemic and causing so many people to to get covid19 there's still the COVID-19 situation in Tokyo. It's still worse. I'm looking in the, the Japanese news and the recent news said on Monday in Japan, in Tokyo, they had 1,429 new daily coronavirus cases, topping 1,000 for the seventh day in a row. That's from Kyoto News, which is very respected news service. And for the Olympics, 16 more people related to the Olympics got COVID-19, including three athletes, bringing the total on Monday to 148. And this is only three days into the Olympics. This thing could have, at this rate, could approach 500 to 1,000. How many days of games will there will there be? For this? I think it's what is it like eighteen games? Oh days? my lord! All right, so we're going to triple those numbers 
you know, by the time we get to the 18th day, if I, I just hope they cancel the games, what are the chances they may cancel the games? You think that could no, happen? None, none, none unless, uh, t- unless a lot of prominent people start dropping Speaking dead, out, right. which, which, which I would never wish on anybody. I, right. They should have been canceled beforehand. If the IOC really had worked on their options, it, if if they had postponed it to 2022 in the summer, they would have had a better a better chance of avoiding right. a lot of these different problems. But they didn't want to do that because in, in the winter they have the the genocide games coming up in China, the Winter Olympics, and then they want to get back on the four year schedule. Paris in 2024, which is only three years away. So this is the choice that that they made, and it's 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 very very dangerous for people. But what has happened is that a lot of people are getting pissed off at the fucking Olympics, and so some of the early uh, TV viewing numbers are out now. The reason they're doing it in July where the weather is so unsettled and there's the heat waves and all that is because NBC, which is really the, gives the bulk of a, a large percentage of the IOC's revenues, didn't want to do it in the fall. The 1964 Tokyo Olympics were in October where the weather was better and still very nice there. It, to, Tokyo is a little warmer than uh than say New York. So the Olympics could have done very well there weather-wise, but they didn't want to do it because you have the uh, NFL, you have the baseball playoffs and World Series, and you have college football. So a lot of that isn't going on. That kind of stuff isn't going on now. And this is ideal for NBC. It's far from ideal for the athletes that people are watching. But already in the U.S., fewer people are watching than they have in the last several years. And some of the numbers that just came out on Sunday night, NBC, according to this article I'm reading on the Sports Business Journal, averaged a total audience delivery of 19.8 million viewers for its first Sunday night of programming from the Tokyo Games. But that's down significantly from the Rio Games 2016. They had 29.8 million viewers. That's 10 million more. And in London, on that first Sunday night, they had 36 million, almost twice as many. And you may say, well, the streaming options are a lot better this year than they've been in the past. And this is this is certainly true, but according to this article, they only averaged the people with an average minute audience of six hundred thirty-six thousand viewers on their streaming service, Peacock, NBCOlympics.com, and the NBC Sports app. So this only adds a, a small number of people to the total that watched it on TV. If you assume that in 
2016, the numbers were much less, and 2012, the numbers were much less from streaming. It's only a, a drop in the bucket. So people in the United States, although I, I read that the the viewership numbers are up in Australia, where they're just giving supposedly the 2032 games to Brisbane, but in the U.S., where the, the bulk of the money comes from NBC, they're way, way down. And what that might mean, and somebody can correct me because I used to be much more familiar with how this stuff works. NBC gets its money from advertising. Their advertising is sold on a CPM or cost per thousand basis, which means they will tell an advertiser, whoever it might be, a cell phone company, a beer company, gambling operation, whatever, we're going to give you X amount of people and this is what the cost per thousand you're going to pay. Well, what happens if the number is lower than what they promised to give? and particularly significantly lower as these numbers indicate, they would have to uh, provide the advertiser with, with, again, this might be old information, called a make good, which means they would give them free advertising somewhere else. So if the numbers are way below the projections and the amount that they sold, they're going to take a bath on this advertising and they're really going to get hurt from it. And I'm not surprised that the numbers are down. The numbers are down for a lot of sports, but there's so many negative things about these fucking Olympics that have pissed people off, particularly holding it in a pandemic, all the corruption. Russia gets a slap on the wrist. So instead of being there as Russia, there is the Russian Olympic Committee. Think anybody that's any difference to people it's it's a situation where even though in an article recently i said well orwell's view on sport that it always uh provokes ill will and it's war without the shooting is not always true in this case i think in the main it is true it just promotes more ill will nationalism racism all the nonsense, all the isms that we see that uh, that disfigure uh, any attempt at creating an, an egalitarian and, and fair society. Mm-hmm. And all, all that we see when you hear the news, we, you know, in the United States, when I listen to the news, oh, the U.S. won so many medals. And it's all this this nationalism. That goes on. Sometimes they don't even say who won the medal. They just say U.S. got two gold medals or, or whatever. And if somebody from another country does something spectacular, that gets buried. You have to really look in the details of the sports pages to find out the the significance of that. So again, you got this 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 jingoism being promoted on many different levels well we don't see that going away anytime soon the olympics even though uh, many of us would love to see the olympics canceled because of all of the corruption exploitation it's just you know there's a whole lot that goes into that but uh, the politics all of that 
but it's not going away, Eddie. So what do I mean, what does anyone do about it? Well, here's a point that I said in the article that there's a movement. There's a movement to cancel the Olympics, but some people want to just raise slogans like cancel the IOC, no Olympics anywhere and things like this. Okay. What is your alternative? You have to provide an alternative because if you just get rid of the Olympics altogether, a lot of sports are going to die. Some, some of the sports won't die such as basketball has the NBA right. and professional leagues in many, many different countries, international football, which the Americans still call soccer, has its own professional circuit around the world and some other sports like that. And, and boxing uses the Olympics as a sort of minor leagues, as an amateur level, though a couple of pros have been competing here and there. And you have a professional boxing circuit. But for sports like wrestling and judo and taekwondo, the Olympics are the highest level. And as I talk about in the article, in a lot of countries, the Olympic organizations get funding from their governments. They're, these federations are officially recognized. So if there's no more Olympics, there's going to be no more funding. And they're just going to have to scramble. And most likely, they're going to get swallowed up and lost by this uh, avalanche of more popular sports that we have around the world. So you have to work on providing an alternative for elite and professional sports. And I suspect, as I wrote in that article, there are a number of people, not all of them, but a number of people in those movements who would just as soon get rid of elite and professional sports altogether. And I'm not for that because I think that the top, just like, just to make a comparison to music, there's a tremendous amount of corruption in music that we know, all sorts of things have gone on, but, and people should be involved in music on a recreational level. We're never going to be, professional musicians. When I was younger, I played the piano. It was very clear I was never going to be a professional pianist as, as much as I enjoyed doing it. So that's great that people have these kind of activities. But because it's corruption in music, should we get rid of right. professional musicians and the recording? Going away. Right. right. You, you want to make these things equitable. And the same thing is true with sports. Should we get rid of professional sports? In fact, if anything, sports like wrestling need, and I've been advocating this for decades, need a viable professional level. And they've been unable because, as I wrote, that they're dummies and or criminals running it, been unable to establish anything that's been, that's been sustainable. So you need to provide alternatives. And we mentioned this in the last show and I mentioned in the article, organizations like the International Swimming League, which the, the uh, Ukrainian billionaire uh, Konstantin Grigoshenko uh, uh, is, is bankrolling. And that's sort of been, you know, I think it's behind schedule because of the pandemic, like everything else in the world. And you have the organization that uh, Mark 
Cuban is involved in the World One League to deal with short videos for a number of these Olympic sports. That still leaves the combat sports out in the wild. I, I have proposed the past, and I don't think it's going to happen because of the people running, particularly sports like wrestling, are just just the best of them just don't get it. A festival of wrestling where you have a major event that showcases many of the different styles of wrestling from the freestyle American folk style, Shuai Jiao, which is popular in China and Mongolia and Bok, which is Mongolian also to Sambo, which is sports Sambo, which is popular in Russia and Eastern Europe. All of these are kind of regional. And of course, Sumo, which is most popular in Japan, put something together like the World Combat Games does for combat sports in general, put something together for wrestling and try to develop something. But when I wrote about this a couple of years ago, I called the article a wrestling dream because I said it's a dream and that's all the, the only place that it exists now is in, in dream. Yeah, in, somebody would have to put up some money just like the billion, Ukrainian billionaire putting up uh, the money for that. So you have to right. find them. There are no billionaire wrestlers out there, Eddie. You could talk. To uh, there might be some, but I don't know how <laughs> honest they are. Grigory in, in an interview I saw with him said he's more interested in team sports over individual sports, but his main sport has been swimming. And that to me seems both a team sport and an individual sport too. Yeah. As far as I understand it, they did create teams with his international swimming league, but it's also based on individual performances. So theoretically from what he's saying, you could do something like that for wrestling, but he doesn't seem particularly interested in combat sports. In his interviews, he's emphasized that what is sport? And if you had to put it into just one phrase, it's show business, but you have to have ethics in there. And wrestling hasn't figured out how to make wrestling both fair and honest and legit and also be good show business. Right. So that that's those are the other things. you mean that uh, something other than the WWE? No, that's that's not wrestling. That's <laughs> is uh, late Luthez called it choreographed tumbling. We're talking about a real sport. I know. I get it. I was trying to make. But it all these things, if you watch baseball or boxing or whatever, there are showbiz aspects to it. Right. Why are they always changing the the baseball uniforms and coming up with these colorful designs is both to sell merchandise, but that's part of showbiz and baseball's uh, failure to become more interesting to a lot of people. Games are too long. There's not enough offense or the other things that are, are barking down baseball, driving out black players and black fans. All these things have hobbled baseball's audience and its ability to be good showbiz. A lot of people yearn for the days of 60s, 70s, and 80s when the games were a little over two hours and were much more exciting. You have your home runs, you know, Reggie Jackson and Henry Aaron and all those people, but you have people stealing bases too. There's, all there's right. Well, people are, the spectator sports, you know, it's all about MMA, the UFC, 
the NBA football. I mean, that's the bulk of it right there. Yeah. To me, the UFC and the NFL are pretty vulgar organizations. The sports, the versions of the sports they put on are, are quite vulgar. I'm looking for things that are more, that have more art and drama than, you know, than tough man, a tractor pull, no matter what you call it. Right. Well, look, Eddie, we're going to keep talking about it because this is Sports Justice Radio. That's what we do here at Angry Afro Radio. Anything else you want to say to the people before we cut out, Eddie? Well, professional boxing is a little bit slow over the next few weeks because they don't want to compete uh, too much with the, the Olympics that are going on. There are a couple of fights that are going on. They, they are hyping up a couple of fights that are coming up. They're hyping up another heavyweight fighting on Saturday the 31st. Uh, Michael Coffey, we'll, we'll see how good he is. He's fighting Gerald Washington, who a lot of people have knocked out beforehand. And a fight that I'm particularly looking forward to on August 14th, uh, John Riel Casimero versus Guillermo Rigondeaux. How much does Rigondeaux have left? And also the rematch of Joshua Franco and Andrew Maloney. So those are some of the fights that are going on. And there are a couple of other ones that are going on that are interesting, that are of interest too. So it's going to be a little slow for the next couple of weeks. It looks like on the 14th of August, the Tiafima Lopez, uh, George Campos's fight will not take place. So, you know, again, the politics. Was it postponed because somebody's got COVID? Yeah, because he had COVID, but also the promoter, Ryan Kavanaugh of Triller, wants to move that to Australia, where Campos is from, and Tiafimo doesn't want that to happen. So there could be a legal battle, and uh, Kavanaugh is realizing there's not going to be a lot of as much money in this as he thought. So who knows what's gonna, who's going to end up uh, promoting and, and broadcasting that fight? It's possible if he gives it up or loses it, Tiafimo can go back to one of the ESPN networks that uh, Bob Arum's top rank has, right. and right. Triller could keep on showing whatever whatever trash that they show. Right. Right on, Eddie. Well, look, everybody, tell it, tell everybody where they can find you, Eddie, on Twitter. You can find me mainly at home in New York. I I try (laughs) to change my Zoom picture to one of me with a mask, but they said waiting moderation or something. I'll put a mask on you. Don't worry. Put a mask on me, because even if you've been vaccinated with the Delta variant and all these other variants and I'm reading about you don't want to get this thing or get this thing again and you could find me on Twitter at at NHB news my website eddiegoldman.com and my patreon page where you could read my article on the fucking Olympics at <laughs> patreon.com/ Eddie Goldman.
And, oh. uh, and of course, here on the War Room. Oh, that's NBA right program. in the War Room with Chris, aka DJ Tribal. You guys can find me at Angry Afro Radio on Twitter, and I'm on. Where else am I at? I don't. Oh, well, I'm on Clubhouse, but I kind of sort of on Clubhouse. But uh, yeah, we haven't used it too yeah, much. We use it. it. It's lame right now. I just go in there for my Bitcoin stuff and I hop out because it's there. Are there some dumb discussions? Yeah, it's it's. Um, I'm over Clubhouse already. But, well, we do. If they make it, the ability to record, which they have on Green Room, maybe one day we can. Well, we have start to do a room there. over there. But otherwise, follow and subscribe to our channel right here on Angry Afro Radio YouTube channel right here. All right, Eddie, thank you for stopping in. Thank you. Be insight. well. I'll see you next week. Take care. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop. Home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, FightShop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y.com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.